ladies and gentlemen, can we hear it from Malachi one more time? Oh, man. Malachi. Are you, are you 14 years old? 14 years old, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to have no problem getting a wife. I'll tell you that much. This, this, you, you are going to be fine. You're going to be very fine. Uh, God was honored by that, Malachi. That was great. We were, we were blessed by it. Mom, your support fans all up here, they were blessed by it. And so, so well done, man. Good job. Good job. This morning, we are wrapping up our series. We've been walking through a series called Wonderful Count. No, it's not called Wonderful Counselor. It's called uh, something else. Wonder and Majesty. Um, it's a really great series. You guys should listen to it. It's, it's memorable, very memorable. And uh, we've been walking through it, but this morning we're going to wrap it up. And what we've been doing throughout this series is taking a, a kind of a, a, my words are over, I was going to say a microwave, not a microwave, a microscope. Uh, we've been taking a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And uh, we want to unpack this together. Malachi, you were so good, you've thrown me right off, man. Like it was, it was that good. It was amazing. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Let's start here. For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us. And I want us just to take one moment and just consider those two little letters, us. You see, theoretically, this is not just talking to some, some other person. This is talking to you and to me. For unto us, a child is born. For you, Jesus was born. For you, Jesus was given. It's, it's a big deal. For a child was born to us, a son was given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, the, the weight of the world on the shoulders of this little baby in a manger. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the promise we want to land on this morning is we want to talk about this idea of Jesus being the Prince of Peace and this promise of peace that he brings, especially this time of year. So before he was even born, hundreds of years before he walked the earth, Jesus was the promise of peace was being foretold to people. And you, you can see a theme being woven throughout the scriptures. If you get to Luke, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. In Luke chapter 2, we have the story of, of the shepherds being in the field. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a, an angel appears. And the angel says these words in Luke chapter 2. Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, all these other angels started to appear. And they began to fill the sky. And the angels said these words, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And so here we have Jesus, before he was born, being proclaimed as this Prince of Peace, this promise of peace. Here's Jesus being born. And the message that God wants humanity, humanity to hear is that, hey, this boy brings this promise of peace. And as this boy grows up and becomes a man, he says these words in John, 
chapter 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. And what a beautiful, ironic twist that this Christmas, a season that we recognize as a season of giving, Jesus returns and give us a gift. And he says these words, peace of mind and heart. That's the gift. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. He's the promise, this promise of peace. He's bringing it to us. He's, he's personifying it, he's showing it, he's explaining it. But what does it look like? And what does peace of mind and heart actually resemble? Well, there's a couple kinds of peace in this world. And Jesus kind of alludes to this. There's a peace that the world can't quite understand and there's a peace that he brings. The peace that the world can't quite understand says this. It's a peace that comes by avoiding storms or a peace that comes from avoiding crisis or avoiding problems or avoiding pain or avoiding conflict. And there's an element of truth there. You will find peace if you avoid those things. But what happens when those things come? What happens when they can't be avoided? What happens when real life happens? That's why I love the Christmas story. Because Jesus applies to real life. And this is where that second kind of peace comes in. It's a peace that's found within the storm. Not just found by avoiding one. But what would it look like if you could find peace in the midst of the chaos? You see, this peace is only found in Jesus. And this is the peace that Jesus brings. And so this morning, what I want to do for you is unpack what this actually practically looks like. Because philosophically, we can all wrap our minds around and probably agree with the concept that Jesus provides peace. But how do you actually access that? How do you actually apply that to your life? What does that actually look like when even coming to church this morning was a painful thought for some of you? Because Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy and celebration, which it is. But for you in this particular season of life, it's hard. This may be your first Christmas having lost a loved one or your first Christmas having moved here or perhaps you've lost a job or some sort of hurt is hidden somewhere inside your heart and you've been trying to keep that face on but it's heavy friend I want to encourage you you've came to the right spot today Christmas actually is for you and that's one of the most beautiful things that I can offer you today so how does Jesus spell peace? He starts with P. And Jesus, Jesus provides peace in a very practical way by giving people purpose. Now at first glance, it doesn't, that's not necessarily an intuitive response. Jesus will give you peace by providing purpose. Because what typically happens when, when, when stuff comes up, like when, like when real life happens, Kind of the intuitive question is to find the purpose in the storm, isn't it? 
We try to find peace by knowing what the purpose was behind the storm. We start questioning, asking questions like, why did this happen? Why, why, why did she leave? Or why did they die? And we have this, this idea. And I don't know where it comes from, but it tends to be fairly universal. And what happens is this. We start going through this, these assumptions. And the assumption says that if I can understand the purpose behind the storm, then I'll be able to make sense of things. And then once I can make sense of things, then I will have peace. But the truth is that's only, that's only half true. Because understanding the why behind the storm only provides context. It doesn't provide closure. And just understanding the why isn't enough. Jesus came to bring more peace than that. You see, this peace comes. It comes from knowing our purpose within the storm. Not the purpose of the storm. But the real peace comes from knowing our purpose within the storm. And that's what Jesus brings. We see this in John chapter 14, verse 6. When Jesus literally says these words, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is grown-up Jesus, not baby Jesus. That'd be weird. Those are his first words. I am the way. That'd be awesome. That's how you know it's Jesus, right there. Because I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, when it comes to finding purpose, this is extraordinarily important. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, what he's actually saying is he's saying, I provide direction in a lost world. You're trying to make sense of things. You're trying to make sense of the storm. You're trying to make sense of life right now. Don't focus on that. Focus on me. You want to find peace? You're going to find it through me. And I am going to show you your purpose. I'm going to provide that for you. I am the way. I am the truth. You're seeking truth, trying to make sense of things. You're trying to figure it all out. You won't be able to wrap your mind around every concept. Lean into me. I will provide you with the truth. I will provide you with the life in this dying world. It's me. So when we're trying to find peace, we find it in Jesus by discovering our purpose. And if you've been here for any length of time, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you've been here for years, we have our grow track starting up in the new year. And it's a great opportunity to discover your purpose. An awesome opportunity to figure out, because maybe you're here. You know that you're a Christian. But what if, what if God wanted to give you purpose beyond just, I'm a Christian now? But what if God wanted to teach you how to use your gifts, your strength, your story, your pains, your doubts, your insecurities? What if God wanted to show you how to use all that to be all of who God wants you to be? We well, could take advantage of the Grow Track course that's coming out in January. Sign up for that. How does Jesus provide peace? Through purpose. The secondary way that he does that is through E, encouragement. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Philippians. In Philippians, you're going to get this interesting picture. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we have these words. It says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Now that is great advice. 
but so hard to actually walk out. You see, the fascinating thing about this, and I'm speaking to the chronic worriers. I, I have a tendency to worry sometimes. I need you to understand this. Worry in and of itself isn't sinful, but it's not helpful. It's not helpful. What worry tends to have us do, regardless of whatever it is that we're walking through, worry has us look at our situation and then focus on how that situation impacts us. But prayer, prayer has us look at the situation and then focus on God. And that's why this is so important. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then we get this equation, kind of a very practical equation in terms of how to have peace. Do this plus this, and you get peace. And it's right here. It says, number one, tell God what you need, plus thank him for what he has done, equals you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, that's the important, fascinating, extraordinary, exquisite, life-changing peace of this entire text. It's that this peace will guard your heart. This peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It's this peace that'll help you be able to walk through the difficult times. It's this peace that will help you to be able to apply your Christianity in spite of whatever it is that you're facing. You see, peace doesn't mean that you're encouraged by the storm. So when I say that Jesus brings encouragement, I'm not saying that, oh, great. Put on a smile. Take your storm with faith and smile your way through it. I'm not saying that. Peace doesn't mean you're encouraged by the storm. It's not like there's some psychological mind trick you need to, to tell yourself. It's actually the encouragement comes from Jesus. Peace comes from being encouraged that God is actually accessible during the storm. And that's where everything begins to change. Because for some reason, and I don't know why it's like this, but we get the assumption sometimes that God only works in the good people. That God answers the prayers of the perfect people. That God does, God does things in other people's lives, not ours. And that's a lie that we tend to tell ourselves, especially when we're hurting. It's easy to look at how God's working in other people's lives when, 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 when we're feeling the weight of it. But what's encouraging about Jesus, and the reason why Jesus brings peace, is that he's accessible in those times of deep grief and sorrow. And this Christmas season, Jesus is accessible. He wants to be a part of your story. He wants to be a part of, of your present. Your past doesn't have to be your future. That's the beauty of Christ. And he wants to intersect your path. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to show you what it looks like to be a Christian when it hurts. Because we all have this idea of what it looks like to be a Christian when it's easy. But he wants to show you, be with you, walk with you when it's heavy too. So he brings purpose. He brings encouragement. 
Now let's turn to he, uh, Hebrews chapter six. Because he also brings assurance. And not insurance, but it's kind of like the same thing. It works out quite great. Purpose, encouragement, and assurance. Hebrews chapter six, verse 18 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. And whenever it says something like that in the scriptures, my intrigue level rises. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Okay, man, get to the goods. What are you talking about? It says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. So, so anybody who goes to Jesus for security, for, for, for refuge, for strength, anybody that goes to Jesus can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. You see, it's easy to hear me speak about storms and begin to say to yourself that peace comes from being assured that, that storms exist, right? But peace doesn't come from being assured that storms exist. Peace isn't the result of awareness. Oh, so you're aware that bad things happen. Now I have peace, and that's the peace that Jesus brings. No, it doesn't work like that. Jesus is far more personable. It's far more personal. It's far more tangible. It's far more real. Peace comes through our assurance that, it, that in spite of the storm, our hope in Jesus is trustworthy. And it's trustworthy, friends, because Jesus is actually real. And if Jesus is real, your hope in him is real. Now, when things are going good, it's really easy to agree with me. It gets harder to agree with me the harder things get. Because pain can be really real. And, 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 and crisis is real. But what's more tangible, it's, it's, it's when, when pain is tangible, it tends to blind us. It tends to skew our vision. And sometimes you just need to hear that your hope matters. And you can be assured that Jesus hears you. You can be assured this morning that Jesus cares. You can be assured that, that Jesus isn't far off some distant land doing something else with other people that matter to him. You can be assured that he hears you. He sees your cries, your insecurities, your pains, your doubts, your fears. He knows you. And you can be assured of the fact that your hope that you have in him matters. And it's real. And it changes things. Hebrews chapter 13. So, so Jesus brings peace through giving us purpose, encouragement, assurance, but also confidence. And I love this particular verse. It says, so we can say with confidence these words. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? It's a great thought. And it tells us a couple things. You see, peace isn't found by confidently declaring that storms won't harm you. Peace is found by confidently declaring 
that God is your helper within the storm. When uh, Shandy and I were first married, we, uh, we embarked on quite the journey. We were asked if we'd be willing to rent a farm. And uh, both Shandy and I, we never grew up on farms. We're not farmers. We had no idea what farms were. Well, we did, but we didn't know how to do it. And so we said, yeah, we'll do it. And so what did we do right away? Went on YouTube and learned how to be farmers. What was my next move? We bought 50 chickens. 50 chickens who would then, we would then sell as meat birds. We'd raise them up and sell them off. We then bought another 70 chickens who were laying hens. And so they would lay eggs. And so we would pick these eggs up and we'd collect them and we'd sell them from our front door in our, in our little, little uh, fridge that we had outside. It was an awesome operation. We had four roosters. And did you know that roosters don't just make noise in the morning? They do it all day long. It's just if, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Now I do. I'm not a farmer anymore. Had four, four roosters. We thought, hey, this is easy. We got this. So we got four pigs. And we got four pigs as well. And we were doing the farm life. And it was great. Until one day, I wanted to show off in front of a bunch of teenagers. And show them that I could still do a hard flip on a skateboard. And then it broke my foot. And it was embarrassing. <laughs> But this was problematic for me because I was also doing my, my studies full-time to, to be a pastor, correspondence. And I was also working full-time to, to pay the bills. And I also had all these farm chores to do. And now I had a broken foot. <laughs> and I remember just thinking as I had this broken foot, like just, just, just so angry with, with, with God. And I'm thinking, like, how, how am I supposed to do all these things? I saw all the pressure, and I saw all the weight of everything that was going on, and then I'm thinking, how am I going to get through this? So I knew what I was going to do. I knew what fervency looked like. I knew what zeal was. So I was going to tell God that he had to heal me. And so I said, God, that's it. Heal my foot. You need to heal my foot, God, because you're a good God. You're a loving God. You're going to heal my foot. And you're also going to make it so that I can do all my chores. You're going to make it so I can finish my work. And I'm going to get good grades. And work's going to be easy. And everything's going to be great. Because I told you to, God. And I had this idea that if I just more confidently prayed, it gave my prayers more strength. And I had this idea that if I was more confident, more zealous, and just louder, the louder I was, the more God would listen. And then he didn't do anything. And I was really confused. Because I'm sitting there with my broken foot. I said, God, do you even care? assumption that that meant that everything was going to get fixed. But I still had a broken foot. And I still had, I got laid off from work. And, and, and I couldn't do my studies. And then I couldn't help with the chores. And here I am, I'm like, but, 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 but God, I can't do all these things, but yet I have peace. And then I learned something very profound about Christianity. That peace is actually found not by just barking at God and telling him what to do. But peace is found by, by declaring, just being confident 
that, that God is my helper and allowing God to help me, allowing God to be my savior, allowing God to be the, 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 my provider. And I learned a lot of things in that season. I learned a lot of hard lessons that don't come intuitively. And I hope that you can learn from them too through my story a little bit. You get to do a lot of... Life's not always easy. Death is real. I remember walking through the loss of my, my uncle when I was in my teens. And I wasn't a Christian yet at that point. And, and, and I just didn't understand how, 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 how bad things like this, it, just, it was just tragic car accident. How, how did these things happen? I remember having cousins pass away, grandparents pass away. I remember on our, on our anniversary, Shandy and I doing a funeral for a little stillborn baby. How, how, do you, how do you do that? See, you, you find peace in Jesus. You find help from the Lord. And you can be confident that God will help you. But help doesn't mean returning things to the way they were before the storm happened. And this little idea disillusions a lot of folks. Because how can a loving God do that? And we get this idea that there's this angry God up there just, just letting people die everywhere. That's, that's, that's not an accurate image. The Lord is my helper. I have no fear. What will mere people do to me? Help doesn't mean restoring things to the way they once were. Help means walking us through this new way of life, both in the storm and after the storm happens. Help means God teaching us, walking alongside of us, showing us how to make sense of things. That's how we find peace in Jesus. We don't find peace in Jesus by avoiding hardships. We actually find the peace of Jesus amidst them while we walk through it. Jesus literally said, come to me, all of you who are weary, stressed out, burnt out, tired, come to me. And I'll give you rest. Jesus is real. And he wants to help you. He wants to give you peace. And that's the beauty of the Christmas story. I'll close with this. Provides purpose, encouragement, assurance, confidence. But he also gives us this eternal perspective. And it's this different way of looking at life. This idea that there's, there's more to life than the here and the now. There's more to life than the, what we're walking through at this currently mo current moment. It says in John chapter 16, verse 33. 
And this is Jesus talking. That baby in a manger, that promise of peace, mighty God who came from heaven in human form to meet us where we're at. And when that boy grew up, he's quoted as saying this very thought. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus acknowledges the fact that this life has storms in it. Your Christianity is going to have storms in it. It's going to have sorrows. It's going to have trials. It's going to be hard. But take heart, he says. Because I have overcome the world. Because, because peace isn't found in the absence of storms. He highlights this very thought. Like, there are storms in life. Peace is actually found in the presence of God. And that's an extraordinary truth. We zoom in, and we have Jesus, the Christmas story, and Jesus being born in a manger. And he grows up, and he lives his life, and he hits his 30s. And we have the Easter story, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And in this little 30-some-year span, this little two-foot timeline, what does Jesus do? He overcomes the world. And this little two-foot timeline, zoomed out, actually changes everything. He, 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 he speaks to the enormity of God, the complexity of God, the, just the, the timelessness of God, that there is eternal life. There is a future. There is hope. There is more to what we know than this two-foot timeline. And we zoom in and we look at our own lives. Each and every one of us in this room, we have a birth date and we have a death date. That doesn't minimize the difficulty of this two-foot span. What's beautiful about Jesus is the Bible says he, 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 he overcame the world, which is to say that everything that happens in this span of your life pales in comparison to eternity with God. And that's a pretty beautiful picture. I didn't grow up understanding how Christianity worked. I, I knew a little bit about God, but I didn't know God. And I don't know if you find yourself in the same boots as me, but there was a point in my life where I had to make a decision. Is the Christmas story going to be a Christmas story? Or is it going to be my 
salvation story? Like, is there a way that I can apply this to my life? Where I, I myself accept Jesus' peace for me. And if that's you here today, and you came in with a heavy heart, I want you to know that Jesus wants to fill your heart with his presence. That you're not alone. Pain is no stranger to God. And your, your, your prayers that you've assumed have gone unheard, that's not true. Jesus knows your story. He knows everything about you. Would you entrust your heart to him this Christmas season? It's a personal thing to do, but we have these my decision cards in front of the pew. And what I would encourage you to do, if as I've been talking, there's a piece of you that says, you know what, I, I, I could use some of that peace for me. I want a personal relationship with Jesus like that guy up there has. You can have that. And the reason why we have this card is I don't want you just to lift up your hand and slip out and think that everything's done. We want, we want to meet you. We want to have a conversation with you. We want you to know that, that you're not in this alone and that we want to walk alongside you. We want to pray with you. And so after the service, this My Decision card is right in the front of the pew. You can take it back to the Next Steps booth and our volunteer team, they, they would love, love to chat with you. But I'd love just to take a moment and pray with everyone this morning. So would you stand to your feet? And we'll pray together as we close the service. I have no idea what it is that you're going through. I don't know your story. But I can assure you, I can assure you that God does. And he's got a plan for your life. And so I'm going to pray that this Christmas season, God would show, he would demonstrate his peace to you in such a real way. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you that you're real. And I thank you that you're here. And I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray for each and every person, both gathered in here physically and watching online. That, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts today. God, that we would experience your peace. That you would restore hope, Lord God. God, that you would stir up joy inside of us. This joy that comes, not because we're in a part of this, of this awesome group, and this is a great church, but a joy that comes as, a, as an overflow of what you're doing inside of our hearts and inside of our lives. Jesus, would you become real? So Lord, I pray. That, Father, you would bless each and every person in this room this holiday season. God, that you would restore joy, restore hope. That, Lord, there would be something tangible that takes place inside of us. Because, God, you are real. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the bringer of peace. And you're here today. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen.